0: G'day. Welcome to Lunch Money, uh, your online and social media home for special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. My name is Nick Samios. I am the director and fund manager here at Homies Capital and I am your Lunch Money live stream host. Um, Today we are going to be Looking at the subcontractor sector, I guess particularly we'll be a little bit Sydney-centric to some extent today, although our special guest, uh, Anthony Igra, practices uh, Australia-wide as collecting money for subcontractors, and we'll talk about that in a moment. So uh, we we do have an Australia-wide flavour in as much as Anthony works Australia-wide, but I guess in Sydney here, we're under certain special circumstances, given that... um, a lot of subbies can't, can't get on site at the moment. Uh, but depending on where you live and where your job is, uh, it's creating some real issues. So we're going to dig into a bit of those issues uh, today. Uh, and I'll introduce uh, Anthony in just a moment. But before I do that, I would like to uh, remind you that we are live. If you're watching this live, we are live. If you're not watching this live, next time, tune into uh, YouTube uh, or Facebook or, um, or LinkedIn. Watch us live. And uh, if you ask a question... Uh, We will send you, eventually, when we come out of lockdown, maybe sooner, one of these uh, exclusive lunch money mugs with the Aegean Blue interior. Um, So please uh, feel free to shoot us a question. Okay. Uh, Allow me to introduce our guest. His name is Anthony Igra. He is from Contractors Debt Recovery, and he's also the host of a brand new uh, podcast called Subbies Under Fire. G'day, Anthony. How are you doing?
1: Uh, Very good, Nick. Uh, good to see you again after uh, I've got I've got my lockdown uh got my lockdown attire on for a sunny Friday afternoon
0: very very good i think we're not we don't have to wear masks over uh, over youtube so we're okay as far as that goes listen um you've i think you've been on twice before just uh give us a snapshot of what it is you do and maybe do that by telling us what's been keeping you busy last uh, last week or so uh,
1: we're a dedicated uh, debt recovery business uh using with the use of the security of payment act around australia we recover money only for construction work under the under the act we do that um, in all states and we've been doing that for uh, 15 years now that's amazing 15 wow. years and wow. uh, i think we've i think we've just hit 90 90 million uh in recoveries over that time and uh, most of our work is with you know guys guys companies owed um uh, you know, 30 40 50 sixty thousand so 90 million is a lot of uh, a lot of claims that uh, been recovered for uh, for contractors
0: and they're so obviously they're the smaller subbies they're one-man bands or they're, they've you know they've got crews of ten a dozen what what's the general yeah style? not
1: really not really one-man bands um yeah, uh, yeah. no no we're talking um, yeah half a dozen half a dozen and up yep um, half a dozen to some li- rather large uh, companies Um So that's really the that's really the flavour of it, Um, and some some decent money. So even though you can have a two-person business and uh, they'll be out 150 grand, uh, which is far more dire than 150 grand with a much much bigger business. So we get we get everything. We get the whole spectrum.
0: Well the trouble is that the, the, the people that you're doing work for, they are tendering for jobs. Uh, it's not like they can just quote a price and that's the end of it. They've got a tender, they're competing for the work. Their margins are fine. And 150 grand could well be the difference between um, you know, making money, not making any money or, or living or dying depending on the
1: circumstances, I suppose. Well, that, that one of the ongoing problems, has been a problem for a long time, is it's a race to the bottom. So you're looking mm. at businesses – sorry to bounce the camera out. You're looking for a business businesses with a gross profit line of 5% or less. Gross profit. So they're probably not mm. even making any net profit. And not much has to go wrong on a job for you to be in loss. Yeah. A big way, a big way. Uh, but they use those – they go in with those prices purely for cash flow – keep the money going keep the money going and when the music stops they actually realize they've lost you know a million dollars in a year
0: yeah well i guess it's all about uh, keeping their their staff working i suppose they don't want to lose staff.
1: It. no yeah. i get it you you've got to keep go you want to keep that talent in in the business but um uh, gee you're right that's the uh the pressure on margins uh especially now less work it must be unbelievable
0: now, I mean, that's uh, interesting. Now you talk, we're talking about keeping people in the work. Let's, let's get very specific to where the situation that we're in in Sydney at the moment. We're just going to roll a bit of footage from Channel 9. Uh, Sydney, development has ground to a halt. These work sites supposedly set to swing back into action from Saturday. But will they? So on this city project, 25% of our workers can come to work. 75% will remain locked down. Uh, I think I have a legal obligation to say that uh, you can go to Channel Nine's website to view that video. Um, now, so, so what we've got there is this situation where you might be located in Parramatta, for example, my, the town of my birth, uh, and you might have a job across town or the job's in Parramatta and you're across town. Uh, I mean, how are uh, your clientele managing this situation uh, in getting on site?
1: well i can't they can't get on site but the question is um, a few things it's 2 weeks all right but the you can't be half pregnant and i just think the the opening to the extent that some construction is open it's very difficult for it to have a real plus effect because a construction site or building something of the complexity we saw in that story Every all hands need to be on deck because everything's enmeshed with everything else. They're all working together within a within a program, and you pull out five or six of them that can't get to site, it it affects the uh, the um, the course of everyone else's work. Um, so I think it's got uh, a limited benefit. As for a two week halt, I don't think that that is dire. Where I think it really hits home is. Two things that construction work needs is confidence and predictability, and these kind of shutdowns and COVID generally has taken away that. There's no, there's not much predictability, and therefore less confidence about forward planning.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, what, what if you're if you're a subbie, uh in, say. Uh, on the northern beaches, you know, you're suby that is in Manly and your crew live in Manly, and you're competing on a job with the guy who's got a, you know, crew in in Parramatta, and the jobs in a, uh, one of the LGAs that's not locked down. I mean, you can't get on site to quote the job or to, or to, you know, to start the job. Uh, so you, you the guy, the, the the guy coming from Manly may as well double his prices.
1: Yeah, I, that's true. That's true. But again, you've got to you've got to have your head uh looking at the timeline because between quote and start work the lockdown might be lifted um the the landscape might be looking different i mean that's a very strategic way of looking at it and full marks to you but um (laughs) i just i don't know that people are that that cunning at the moment i think again lack of predictability i think the real the real what's coming through to me is gee I, i can't even finish the job Will I get an extension of time? I can't quote the job. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that line from The Sopranos, what are you going to do? What are you going <laughs> to well, do? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, well, I'll try and think of some more lines from The Sopranos a bit later. Um, I, I guess um, the other thing is, as you said, everything's enmeshed. I mean, particularly if you're one of the finishing trades, for example, and you've got everyone queued up, I don't know, to lay the carpet or paint the walls or whatever it might be in those finishing trades at the end of a job. Um, and you can't get in there until, I don't know, the sparkies are finished or whatever it might be, you know. Uh, then that, 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 you know, it does, there is an effect. But you're saying two weeks, you know, don't panic, basically.
1: Well, when is it lifted? Is I think today is the last day, isn't it, uh, Nick? Well,
0: well no, but but the thing is though, my understanding is that if you're you, you still can't leave your LGA if you no, no, if you're in you yeah. can't.
1: well I think that's why I mean I don't I, I don't know I haven't been in touch with enough people but wouldn't you just stop the entire job? Which I think is probably what's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I can't move my job ahead with only two out of the five subbies I need, or or I can't move it ahead even a, a business owner saying, well, it's only me that can get to the site. Three of my staff can't get to the site. You may as well just hold off and do the job properly because what what real benefit is it to go ahead in that piecemeal way? Maybe some on a, there are some that you could, but I wouldn't blame a lot of these companies just for just stopping completely until they can totally get back there. Like, you know, I'm not too far away from... That huge site that's not in an LGA. Well, here's a perfect example. Uh, The redevelopment uh, of that medical precinct near Randwick Hospital. Sorry, Prince of Wales Hospital, okay? So between that hospital and the uni, they've demolished all the homes and they're building an entire medical precinct. Um, That site is completely shut down. Right. That's not in a shut down LGA. Maybe some people would get there, but I get it. I'm guessing that they've just gone, well, we either need everyone or no one. It's just too hard.
0: All right. Now, when uh, I chatted to you the other day, I said, look, um, you know, there's to me, there's lots to talk about in, uh, in your sector and what you're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I asked you, what, what sort of talking points do you think you might have? And the first thing that you said surprised me a little bit. You said that uh, restocking the sales funnel. Uh, was one of the issues, and I and I and I just have this uh, headline here. You know, property boom. New South Wales suburbs and towns headed for the two million dollar mark. Um, you know, we've got we've got uh, what are we uh, some suburbs in Sydney that where the where the average or the median price. You know, Cogra Bay, two million dollars. Blakehurst, two million dollars. You know, uh, Hursville Grove. That's all in the in the in the Shire up north. You know, right. So you know, go, going around the grounds um in in sydney so but you were saying that you think that that's more a case of work not getting out of the ground and not competing with existing stock is that your theory
1: oh so when i was talking about sales funnel i wasn't talking about selling homes
0: yeah no no i understand that
1: yeah 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 well yeah we're talking about
0: building we're talking about new we're talking about new developments right right so we got on one hand, you would think that the tradies would be would be booming at the moment because you know if house prices are so high. But uh, you were saying that you know there is a, there is the triple whammy that's stopping developments getting. Yeah, well, ground.
1: what what type of it? I think, I, I on the media that I've seen, that residential building, is is booming. Yeah. Residential buildings booming, and and first of all, it's it's easier to borrow money. That money is cheap, um, and the other thing is that re- residential gets through all the, the current COVID uh, restrictions. But I think the actual big one is that um, there's been a loss of confidence in apartments. So the triple whammy I mentioned to you, and for the benefit of the listen- listeners, is you've had we've had a, over a year of COVID, we've had a defects fiasco, especially in New South Wales which gave rise to the establishment of the, the building commissioner. And it's been in the media all the time, um, a problem with defects in apartments. And we've had the Olympic uh, block and the mascot towers block, getting a lot of airtime, loss of confidence in buying new apartments. And you've had the banking Royal commission. So you've got lenders being far more careful about lending on multi-apartment developments. You've got um, punters who are less interested in buying them. And you've had a over a year of COVID, there are less people with a deposit or income to buy them. And in my I get mostly claims from subbies working on big multi-apartment developments. That's where the payment disputes really are. That's died off. Yeah. That's completely that's completely died off. But where is their confidence in freestanding homes? And mm. because the prices have gone nuts, here's me theorising, the price yeah. has gone nuts. You've got a few things. I've, people have got to stay at home because of COVID. There's less stock. People don't want to sell for a number of reasons because of COVID. Do I really want to be moving around right now? But two, mm. will I be able to afford to buy back in when I sell my house? Mm, mm, Every mm. week it's going up. So where's the building boom, Nick, is putting first floors on the top, doing renovations? right right right. building granny flats um and look yeah also building new homes and at the high end uh renovating homes so those tradies in the residential space i do think are doing very very well but you've got your guys who form work and cement placement who would do the big cement slabs on you know a 50 unit apartment block those guys are hurting
0: yeah Yeah, and they're the ones with the big crews, and I suppose the guys that you're mainly dealing with. Um, Yeah, I mean that's 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 yeah. As we say, with the um, with one of those triple whammies was the defects issue. I mean, is that that is having an impact?
1: Um, uh, Not yet, to from what I see, uh, just on pure numbers. But I think industry wise, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a fantastic, I think it's a fantastic thing. Um yep. that's happening. I think it's a really good dynamic. I've I've published an article about um uh, David Chandler's some of his uh, approach um in terms of defects and payments. I, I think they're very much uh related. I mean if you haven't paid a subbie properly for four months, what do you think the quality of the work's gonna be like?
0: Yeah, yeah, it becomes a uh, self-fulfilling. Yeah, I don't that.
1: think he's quite sympathetic to that view, but generally speaking, I think it's a great role to have been created. I think it's got enormous power. And I certainly Nothing gets me more cranky than you've got um, a subby owed four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and you know that the builder's already claimed practical yeah. completion, and yeah. the principals already sold the apartments and yeah. got got an OC, got a, got a um, occupation certificate for everything, yeah. but they're still telling the subby your work's completely defective and it's not finished.
0: Yeah, but surely that'd be like shitting in the fish in the barrel for you, or.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's easy enough to disprove, but yeah. why has the guy got to fight for that? Why yeah, yeah, why yeah. why should he? And and not only I mean, I have had um early on when I started, I mean I'll never forget it, to join townhouses where the uh the guy had finished he was actually the builder for, for doing it for a developer. He'd finished it, they'd got occupation certificate, they had sold all the townhouses. Some of them had people living in them and they had still owed him a ton of money. And we actually went to adjudication. How's this for low? In the adjudication, the developer produced expert fire inspection reports showing that the adjoined attic spaces, there was something about it that was not to Australian standard. And therefore, the entire roofs would have to be pulled apart and rebuilt. They got that report done. Three months before completion, and sat on it so they could wow. string it on the guy at the end. Now, how low, how low is that? And they, but given that report, they could still get the occupation certificate. I'm sure the certifier didn't care, didn't know about the report, uh, and then they went and sold these knowingly hazardous homes to homeowners. Now, my uh, my guy, my my client, we lost that because what can you do? You've got a report there. Yeah, that says it's going to have to be rebuilt the roofs, but he, he, they didn't think it through. He copied the report and put it in the post boxes oh, beautiful. Of, of all the owners. But the power of someone to come in and stop an OC being issued, I think, is really good.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Now, uh, um, I guess it's interesting because one of the things, uh, when, when subcontractors put in their claim, they have to, of course, sign. Uh, saying that everybody's been paid which i have always thought was uh was was a bit odd given that, that they haven't been paid yet for that particular claim um uh but look let's 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 just go into you know there is there is we, we we've identified that the pipeline is an issue because you're saying that there's not enough work going around at the moment um so so that means that i guess a, a sub is being lured into there's two things you know, if I think about pipelines generally, not just in the subcontracting game, but number one, you're tempted to underquote, and number two, you're tempted to do work for people that may not be creditworthy. Um, so, h- how do you deal with those two challenges?
1: I think the I think those two challenges have always existed. I think it's always been a problem, not just uh, recently. And as a preface to that, all the uncertainty generated by COVID during 2020. 2020 has come home to roost in 2021 because there's now less confidence and predictability about financing planning getting a will i even be able to build this thing will i get finance to build this thing will there be buyers for the product when i build this thing etc etc uh can i can still do it profitably all those question marks have reduced the sales funnel over the course of 2020 into now so guys don't have these contractors don't have as they used to have eight or nine months of work already lined up and signed up on they don't have that anymore so i agree with you there would be you would conclude that there would be more desperation about bidding for the work that you can get and i'm sure uh that is happening like i've had a few clients recently who are um just doing silly things that i don't think i don't think they wouldn't have got the job if they had done it. they're doing things like we're going to halve our labor rate for this part of the job uh we're going to get um only uh, all our materials are just at, at cost um we're not going to charge for this and um, this rock breaking or something or other like that which i don't think they had to do uh really and and they shouldn't do it because they're building a loss into the work already. And do do they really need to do that? Um, I don't know. Sometimes it's better not to be working at all for a couple of months uh, than to just be generating a loss for your business.
0: Yeah, well, uh, just a reminder to our viewers and listeners that one way to uh, reduce uncertainty in in your life and to make sure that you are certain of uh, seeing our podcast when it drops is to uh, share, like or subscribe uh, wherever you're viewing us and uh, hit the notification button and that way uh, you'll get a reminder and uh, also a reminder if you're watching live, ask a question and this mug could be yours. Um, So... And, and what about uh, the temptation to do work for people who maybe don't have much of a track record or, or who, you know, I mean, very often I come across people who, you know, they've come to me because, you know, the, the bank balance is, is low and they they don't have the funds to to tender for new work. But what they've said is, you know what, I've lost money on those, you know, those small jobs or those uh, developers that, that no one's ever heard of before. I now only do work for... For you know tier one and tier two, so people do learn their lesson. But uh, what, 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 you know, what, what, what do you? Are there, is there the temptation uh, to get sucked into that trap? And how, how do you counsel your your customers?
1: Um, yeah, well, unfortunately, it's a culture amongst this industry to fall into two problems. Number one, no research at all at, at someone who's asked them to quote, even for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, here's my quote. It's an email, yes, start. And you don't even know who they are, where's the money coming from, what's their track record, nothing. Number two, uh, a guy that I knew as a foreman on another site gave me a ring. He's working on this other job and he's asked me to start on this site. So off they go, starting on this site, not even knowing who they're working for. And yeah, I mean,
0: just, 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 just draw on that for a minute because what, one of your points was uh, uh, who are you in agreement with, and that's certainly yeah. one of the things that uh, they do know. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not hard. You go to uh, ABN lookup on the uh, you know there's a there's a government website, and uh, if you if you you know you need to make sure that the person you're dealing with or the ABN you've been given is the right entity. Uh, but wow. I've I've always said to my customers who are you gonna if it goes wrong, you need to know who you're gonna sue.
1: I've got a, on my website, one of the little things that I, you can buy off my website for a few bucks is a client checklist, and it walks people through checking, getting an ASIC extract or, yeah, the, uh, a business number, and see, see who you're in a contract with, and even on the free ASIC checks at the bottom of the screen, it'll show you if there's a wind-up notice, or it'll show you if they've been deregistered or something like this, or more importantly, it'll show you when was the company established. It was, if it was only established two months ago and they want you to bid for $500,000 worth of work, I'd be saying, well, asking a few questions. Um,
0: okay. I've got, uh, I've got a comment here from uh, Steve Godwin, who is uh, actually with Hermes. He says, uh, if sites are partially open, how will construction lockdown affect payment schedules? And potential set-offs for delays, is it as simple as pushing back to completion times a couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, I think that under most contracts, especially bigger ones, they always provide that the principal can unilaterally extend time. And I think, I think they will have to unilaterally extend time. First of all, they'll definitely be doing it under the head contract. And if it came to an adjudication, no adjudicator would accept that people would be uh, forced to pay liquidated damages for a situation where the entire um, um, the entire um, site is shut down, and also remember, in most contracts, certainly, um, yeah, in in almost all contracts, the um, liquidated damages would not apply to um, extensions or shutdowns beyond the subcontractor's control. Or that right. would have to be, or that would have to be done, in compliance to a law, litigation, or government regulation, or something. You know what I'm talking about. It's right? almost like
0: a force majeure type of situation.
1: Yeah, I don't think liquidated damages are going to be the problem people think they are. I think common sense yeah. will prevail. And um, and um, yeah, I mean, I had a scenario during the the bushfires a year ago, where um, the entire the job site was threatened. From the fire, number one, number two, the um, staff of the contractor, almost all of them, were members of the RFS. They were all called up. Right,
0: right, right,
1: right. Uh, they all had to leave, and yep. the the head contractor is going. Well, I'm going to hit you for liquidated damages. Yeah, well, <laughs> man,
0: that sounds like a job for <laughs> the media. Pathetic yeah yeah tell me when we were talking the other day you mentioned uh, not incurring cash flow demands of running jobs uh, so 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 i guess with running jobs and and uh, i mean does that how does that play into this scenario
1: sorry what are you asking the well well
0: you're talking about m- making sure that you're not incurring cash flow demands so not having to pay for jobs that
1: uh, oh yeah yeah look pick pick your battles, you're, you're going to be spread, um, you're going to be spread very thin. And uh, I think you need to be careful for what we're seeing is paying for materials where you don't really know when they're going to be incorporated into the works. And I think there's a big question mark now about long lead time items, Nick, what's going to happen? You got to pay for huge air conditioning condensers, right? Yeah. Yep. When, when are you going to be able to install those so you get paid for them? So I, I'm thinking that there might be some interesting conversations in the supply chain where everyone might just have a bit of common sense. and um, especially for long lead item items, materials not incorporated into the works. Uh, I can't claim for them, but you can't push me to be financing those just yet. And maybe people can move to a just in time model for this period of time or just a deposit model. And also the other one for subcontractors, even smaller ones. Tempting as it is, but just because you get invited to tender for six different jobs, could you actually run them?
0: Well, that's that, that's
1: that's,
0: that, that's that's always a bit of a problem, isn't it? I suppose, but um, I guess what you're saying is that in the supply chain, there's a bit of a game of pass the parcel. I mean, the thing is, someone's got to hold the cost for that air conditioning condenser, for example, it's either the OEM or, you know, a supplier in the middle or or the, you know, the developer, somewhere, somewhere along the line, someone's got, someone is copping it in the neck for the holding costs.
1: Yeah, I know. It's inevitable. I don't, I don't have a particular answer in it, but I just think, yeah. I think it's a problem because it just, that just eats money, especially those, <laughs> those, those, those bigger items eat money.
0: Now, another uh, another bane of your existence is uh, verbal or email agreements as opposed to proper yeah. proper agreements. Just uh, yeah. talk us through that.
1: Okay. Can I just, uh, yeah, this is a real big thing for me, honestly. There are two problems. Number one, most companies still think a quote only has to have two things, a bullet point list of the work you're going to do and a price. And there's my quote. Uh, no, your quote's got to have price, it's got to have um, scope, the bullet point, what are you going to do, and a properly detailed one, and it's got to have terms and conditions. Please, how hard is it? So many um, associations have a um, uh, pre-made contract. I've, on my website, got a simple commercial agreement you can use. Just have the basic framework. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for a nightmare um, existence now. Security of Payment Act has default provisions that can help you to some extent, but why just leave it to fate? Um, there's still it's not only the fact that there are oh, so many oral agreements, Nick, but the the amount of money that is traded on oral agreements. It's not like uh, you know, put in a couple of light globes. There's hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of work that are agreed on, on an email or a text, hmm. a text. Uh, or uh, just a, a conversation. And then six months from now, you can't prove anything into relation, in relation to it. Now, I don't yet understand the psychology of why so many contractors find this so goddamn difficult. Maybe they think I'm looking like a fuss pot if I insist on these things. But um, it's, it's madness. There's more... There's more paperwork in these people getting a pair of pants dry cleaned yeah. for seven bucks than $70,000 worth of work that they do on a phone call.
0: Well, I guess the, th- right. the thing is they want, to, they want to earn all the brownie points for being on site tomorrow. Look, I need you here tomorrow because something's going wrong and mm-hmm. we've got this urgent variation and don't worry, we'd fix it all up and, and under the old mates act. You know surely you can do that for me but i would counter that under the old mates act surely you would want to put me in a position where i could lose money you know i mean it's, well i've
1: it's... tried to have the old mates act repealed <laughs> rescinded okay. and, and the legislators of it publicly executed but, oh wow okay. um what can you do the old mates the, the old mates act unfortunately does does prevail but as a business you should be ready at all times to enter into a contract. There's nothing wrong with being on site tomorrow. Yeah. You want me on site tomorrow? Bing, boom, 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 boom. Here's my contract template. I've dropped the details in. I've emailed it to you. Sign it off, scan it, send it back. You can do that in 20 minutes. Oh, but no. A lot of the yeah. subcontracting business, contract generally, don't have such a document in their business and they just turn up on site with six guys, five pieces of plant, and by the end of the first day, they're twenty thousand dollars in the hole, with not a yep. piece of paper.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, look, we we are uh, beginning to run out of time. I've just one other bullet point I've got here, is instalment arrangements. Did, now, I must say that in. In my dealing with subcontractors, I don't see a lot of instalment arrangements where people are saying, listen, I can't pay you. Can I can I pay it off over three months? You'd see it in other industries, but do you see that at all? I'm not sure why. No, I'm no, at I that see point. I
1: see quite a lot of it.
0: Right. right I see right.
1: quite a lot of it. The question is, do you accept it and will they pay it? I got one now for uh, six hundred thousand uh, dollars. Sorry. Yeah, six hundred thousand dollars at fifty thousand dollars a month. And uh, it wasn't backed by a formal deed. I can't remember. Anyway, we only got the first 50 grand. So now we're right. going to have to enforce enforce for the rest. The other thing that you have to remember, Nick, maybe not as visible from where you sit, but when you get a judgment against someone, um, they can approach the court, the debtor can approach the court and ask for an installment order saying, look, I've got a judgment against me for 40 grand. Can I pay eight grand a month for five months? The court will right. consider whether that's reasonable. That's probably would be reasonable, and they'll agree to it. That means you can't enforce the judgment so long as those payments are being made on time. We've right. had a few of those, and they've come good. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah. it it does happen, especially more now when cash is really so unbelievably tight. Um, the question is, will the will the agreement stick? But it is a tool that's floating around at the moment. That's for sure.
0: I guess uh, liquidators would say that uh, one of the issues with accepting installment uh, payments is that uh, they can potentially be clawed back as uh, preference payments in the event of, a, of, a, of a, the insolvency of the head contractor. Um, so,
1: Yeah, I know, uh, but that's not a reason not to take it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah,
1: you've yeah, done the yeah. work, take the money, let them argue to, to get the money back at their, you know, yeah. what's their rate now, $700 an hour?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, look, um, it sounds like you are not too doom and gloom with respect to all of these uh, lockdowns and the LGAs being shut down. You're saying, look, it's a couple of weeks. Um, It's not necessarily the end of the world. Obviously, it's got complications. But if there's communication, I guess, I don't know, if all the project managers are talking to each other, it should be okay?
1: The lockdown itself is not such a problem. The bigger problem is the confidence in the next six to 12 months. The project pipeline, to me, is the concern so can you want contractors to be back in a position where they've got six months eight months of work locked in and they're still tendering for stuff beyond that timeline i think that's what we've lost that's where we have to get back to so um yeah but stay optimistic i reckon you know when vaccinated by come october november there'll be a much higher vaccination rate it'll be nice and warm we'll be going into an australian summer hopefully without bushfires i think there's quite a bit to look forward to in the next six to 12 months and keep pitching for, um, so keep, just keep your eye on your sales funnel and build up that confidence of future work. And I think we'll, uh, we'll be in a better place um, come new year.
0: Well, uh, we love finishing on a high, so that's uh, that's some nice uh, optimistic uh, high note to finish on. So uh, um, a big thank you to Anthony Igra from Contractors Debt Recovery. Uh, we'll put all uh, Anthony's uh, contact details uh, in any of the summaries that we put on the socials. Uh, thank you very much to our viewers uh, live and uh, to anyone who may be listening subsequently on the podcast. I will remind you to uh, share, like, subscribe, hit the notification button, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you again next week. Cheers. And thank you. Thanks again, Anthony.
1: Thanks for having me on by.
0: Cheers.